Good morning. Man, that was a great response on a rainy day. I like it. My name is Clay Thomas. I'm the worship pastor here. It's good to be with you this morning. Man, I love worship this morning. How many times I'm out there where I can just get into it and not think about leading or anything like that. And so I'm just super thankful that uh, our team is so capable of not being dependent on anybody to lead us into the throne room of God. I love that. Um, so super thankful for this worship team this morning, for Mark leading us to communion. Um, last weekend, I went on a YouTube binge. Has anybody ever done that? Based off your laughter, I'm taking that as a yes, where you just start watching a, a random viral video, right? Next thing you know, two hours later, you've watched like 25 videos, just viral video after viral video. That YouTube's got this great feature. I don't know if it's great or addictive, but it's got this feature where it just puts in these related videos and automatically starts playing one after another, after another, after another. Well, I got caught in this. I, I think it was like a Saturday or something. I, I start watching this, this video. It was... Um, it was an elephant, and it had a paintbrush in its hand, and it's, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's painting on a canvas, and a real elephant painting, and it's painting an elephant on this canvas, and then it like paints this flower next to it. It's, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I become infatuated with elephants, right? Like I watched 20 elephant videos after that. I never knew I loved this animal so much, and so I finally got to this video of I think it was these trainers in Thailand, and it's all about how they train elephants. I would have no interest in this video whatsoever if it wasn't for this Michelangelo elephant, all right, that I first saw and got me going into all these elephant videos, but it was so cool because uh, these trainers are talking about how they tame these elephants. Like, they're massive. They're strong. They could destroy their camp. They could destroy fences. They could run through anything, Right? And they're talking about how they tame them, and they, t- they talk about when, when the elephant was a baby, what they do is they put a chain around its leg, and they stake it into the ground, and as a baby, an elephant doesn't have the strength, it doesn't have the capability of pulling that stake up from the ground. So it tries, and it tries, and it tries, but it's stuck. And over time, the baby elephant realizes, whenever that chain goes around my leg, I'm, I'm stuck. Like, this is it. So I'm, I'm going to stop trying to get out of this. And over time, as the, the elephant gets bigger and bigger and stronger, it has the capability now of busting through that chain, of ripping that stake out of the ground. But it doesn't because it remembers, as a baby, I couldn't. I couldn't get out of it. I kept trying and trying, but it never worked. And so it just became immune over time to this chain, and it remained still. People are incredible. Like, they're so smart to do this, to be able to tame this giant beast, this strong animal, and to keep it still and remain in this one spot by training it up as a baby with this chain and this stake. Now, you're probably like, what does this have to do with the struggle is real, right? Like, how are you tying this in here? I, I really think for a lot of us, when it comes to our struggles, we've been dealing with Maybe the same struggle for a long time, right? Like some of you immediately thought of one of your struggles that you've been just dealing with over and over and over again, maybe for years and years. I don't know, it could be something with 
just natural for you in the, your personality or the way you respond to things, things you've said or, or say, things you have done or are doing, but you've been dealing with this same struggle over and over and over again, and we're getting to the point where we just kind of start being immune to it, right? Like we've, we've felt defeat over and over and over again, and so we stop trying. We stop trying to battle it. We become a little comfortable with our struggle, and, and we kind of just allow this struggle to dictate our lives because we can't seem to get over it. We can't seem to grow beyond it, grow past it, and we know it's hindering us from the life we want to live, but we're having a hard time growing past it. Now, my goal for this morning is that we would no longer be permanent residents of the struggle bus. And what I mean by the struggle bus is when we have been dealing with these struggles over and over and over again, we're staying in them, we kind of stop trying, stop trying to battle them, we get on this struggle bus where we just sit and we remain still and we allow this, stru- this struggle to, to pretty much run our life. So my goal for us this morning as a bunch of people who have all kinds of struggles, for a bunch of us who have been dealing with the same struggle over and over and over again, is that we would not be a permanent resident on this struggle bus, but that we would grow in the likeness of Christ, moving past our struggles, not remaining in them. So Father, I I, I pray this morning that you would help us with this. God, we're kind of tired of dealing with our struggles. You know far better than we do. We need some help here because we we obviously can't do it on our own. So God, we ask that the God who can do all things, who created this entire universe, who created me, we ask that you, you move and you reveal to us how we can grow past these struggles, how we can live our life for you, not being hindered by our struggles, but growing in the likeness of your son. That's what we want, Lord. We want to be fulfilling our purpose here on this earth. And we've got a big obstacle in our way. So help us, Lord, to get through that, to grow from that, and to live the life you've called us to live. In your son's name we pray, amen. Now if you have a Bible, flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, If you have a Bible app, scroll your way on over to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you don't like being told what to do, you can just sit there. We're going to throw it on the screens for you. You don't have to look at it. Your choice. I'm not telling you what to do. Your choice. But you could glance up up at the screen every now and then, all right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. That's it. Let's go. That's it for today, all right? That's all we need, right? No, I think Peter is really trying to teach us something here. There's a lot we can get from this. And first of all, there's two words that really stick out to me. Foreigners and exiles. That's interesting. Because I don't know the last time I've called somebody who has come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and say, hey, 
welcome you, exile. Like, no, that's kind of weird. Like, we don't say that to each other. Hey, foreigner, no. Why does he call us foreigners and exiles? He's speaking here to believers and followers of Jesus, and he calls them foreigners and exiles. I looked at all the other translations in English, and this is what we came up with. Aliens, strangers, sojourners. So, how do you say that word? I hate that word. I don't know how to say it. So, sojourners, 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 visitors, pilgrims, temporary residents, right? These are all the different translations of foreigners and exiles. What is Peter telling us? For those who are following Jesus, for those who are believers in Jesus, this world is not your home. You are a temporary resident here on earth. What does that mean? You are a permanent resident of the kingdom to come. You're not a citizen of earth. You're a citizen of heaven. You've been bought with the price. Therefore, you are now a child of God. We just sang about that. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am, right? We are foreigners and exiles while we are temporarily living here on this earth. Now, I, I, before I came to Lubbock, I was in Houston, and uh, I was involved with student ministry for a time, and I took these students on a mission trip, and we went to Birmingham, Alabama. We worked with World Changers. We partnered with them, and they had hundreds of students, hundreds of teenagers come from all across, kind of like the southeast, right? Florida, Georgia, uh, I don't know why I want to say lion after that, Florida, that's weird, never mind. I'm not a country fan, sorry. Uh, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, Tennessee, Georgia, we had all these students coming in into Birmingham, and we worked on, I think, over 80 houses, a lot of low-income houses, people who couldn't afford to work on their house, fix up their house. Uh, It was an incredible project, incredible mission trip that we did. Now, one thing I realized that I was not expecting was there's a lot of Southerners that have very strong accents, very, I mean, I'm Texan through and through, but I have never heard such strong accents in my life. These teenagers are up on, up on the roof, and they're like, man, I'm just loving this, son. I'm like, who? Who'd you just call son? Like, I'm your youth pastor. What are you, what are you doing here? Like, and so I'm hearing our students on the way home. We take our uh, a van back home, and I've got, like, diverse, like, it's Houston, very diverse, big city, And so I've got all kinds of kids here, and all of them are like, man, that was such a great trip. Let me tell you, Pastor Clay. I'm like, why are you talking like that? Hold on. (laughs) What's going on? What happened? And we go back to our church, and they have like an evening service, and some of the kids are are sharing their experience. And uh, one kid was like, my favorite part about this mission trip was roofing. And all these parents are like looking around, they're like, what just happened? What kind of mission trip was this? Did they teach them some dialect? Like, what's going on here? And uh, I took, like, some kids that were, you know, they would break dance in our, our youth group, and now they're two-stepping country boys. Like, they went from drinking Red Bull to sweet tea. I mean, it was, it was life-changing in the way that I thought it wouldn't be, right? And, and so my point is, when you get around people, whatever your surroundings are, Something natural that happens inside of us is we tend to conform to it. We want to be like what we're surrounded by. Like we like fitting in. 
I don't know anybody who's like, well, except for the guy who didn't want to look at the Bible app or the pages and just want to do their own thing. But we like fitting in. We like blending in. We like to kind of conform to our surroundings. It's easy. We love feeling accepted by others. I get it. I, I feel it too. I am with you on it. But I think that's why Peter reminds us, hey, remember, you're a foreigner. You're an exile here. You are strangers. You are temporary residents here on this earth. Remember that your citizenship is in heaven, in the kingdom to come. There's separation here. There's differences here. And we try and change who we are in order to be accepted by others in a place we are strangers to. Now, Jesus even foretells of this. He says this is coming. He says in John chapter 15, verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Right? When we refuse to live by the acceptance of man and we try and live by the acceptance of God, we might get some backlash for that. Why? Because that's pretty countercultural to our system of life here in America. He says, if you, the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. There's an expectation here to come. In uh, Timothy, Paul writes, in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What does that tell us? We, as we pursue Christ and try and live our lives for him, we try and be countercultural, we're going to face resistance. We're going to face some hatred towards that. People are not necessarily going to like that. And when we, when we have a hard time dealing with that, we are struggling because we keep trying to fit into a place where we're called to stand out. Right? When we are struggling, we struggle because we keep trying to fit into a place where we're called to stand out. God did not create us and then say, hey, blend in with the rest of the world. Whatever the world does, do that. No, he created us. He designed us. He gave us purpose. He gave us certain gifts, certain personalities, and he wants to use you, his creation, not just to reveal himself to you and to love you and walk with you, but he wants to use you for his glory. And we struggle with this battle of being accepted by others blending into our culture rather than following this countercultural creation that was created by Christ, right? Christ came in and he created this culture of, of truth, of godliness that leads to righteousness, a culture filled with love. It was so different from everything else that people were experiencing. And as we try and live according to that culture, we're going to face some resistance we're going to face some backlash. We have to expect that we are not always going to be liked. We are not always going to be accepted by others. We will face persecution for our faith as we try and live a godly life. And we are going to suffer at times. We're going to struggle at times, but it will be in the name of Jesus because we're seeking to be countercultural. We are not home. We are strangers, and because we are strangers, there's going to be times where it's super difficult to live our lives out here for God. 
to live our lives here in West Texas for the kingdom to come. Now, what's the point of all this if our goal is to not be permanent residents of this struggle bus, not to remain in our struggles for years and years and years? How does this connect? I strongly believe that if God has designed us this way, if he has adopted us as sons and daughters and we are now citizens of heaven, permanent residents of the kingdom to come, then I do not believe his will for our life is the opposite of that. Permanent residents of a struggle bus. Permanent residents of dealing with your struggle over and over and over again. If we are strangers and exiles on this earth, foreigners, aliens, then we should be strangers and exiles to the struggle bus. Now, I'm not saying we're, we're never going to struggle. Hear me out. Like, I'm not saying when you come to know Jesus, life is perfect. Woo! Let me testify to that. It's not, all right? I can show you and tell you about a ton of things. But, man, when, when it comes to knowing Jesus, we realize we're not alone in our struggles. And therefore, we don't have to remain and be still on this struggle bus that dictates our lives and tells us how to live and keeps us hindered and silent and still when we're created for so much more than that. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 says this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We need to spend a lot of time on this verse because this is so crucial for us who are trying to live for Christ, trying to live godly lives, but we're struggling over and over and over again. How do we get past it? How do we grow in the likeness of Christ? This tells us exactly who we are in Christ. Let's start with hard-pressed. In other words, this is saying we are oppressed, afflicted, distressed. There is a lot in this life that can make us feel this way. You may have walked into these doors and you're like, yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Yep, that's exactly what I'm going through right now. That's exactly what I'm feeling. You may walk in this room and we're talking about struggles, so your struggles come to mind and you're saying, yeah, I'm right there. I can, ex- I can relate to that. Or you've been through something, and those are the emotions, those are the feelings that come out of it. Hard-pressed. When we feel that, I really think all of us in this room have felt that at one time or another. But the good news is that those who are in Christ, those who feel oppressed and afflicted and distressed, who are hard-pressed, who are going through something difficult, hard struggles, if you are in Christ, you are not crushed. You are not defeated. God has made a way out. Some of your struggles may involve temptation. You face temptation, you feel like you fail and fail and fail over and over and over again. Those who are in Christ need to know that God has made a way out. Your sin has not defeated you. If you are in Christ, you have victory in him. We talked about this. God's grace is being perfected in our weaknesses. It doesn't just save us. It isn't just sufficient for us. 
but it sustains us as we struggle. It gives us power through the Holy Spirit. God's grace is perfected in our weaknesses. So when we are hard-pressed, when we go through something, some affliction and some hard times, we are in Christ, therefore we're not crushed. There's hope with that, right? We're not defeated by whatever we're going through. There's a way out that God has provided. Those who are in Christ. Let's look at Let's look at perplexed, right? For those who feel perplexed. In other words, this is confused, at a loss, in doubt. You're feeling some kind of uncertainty. I mean, I, I, I feel that a lot. <laughs> I go through that a lot. God, I don't, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know what you're, why you're allowing this to happen. I'm, I'm not getting it. And part of my flesh is just like, doubt them. You don't, you don't fully trust them. Let's go ahead and take matters into our own hands and control this situation rather than trusting in what he's doing. We've gone through some difficult things where we're confused, we're perplexed. There's a lot of people on this earth who have gone through some difficult things who are feeling that, and they stay completely defeated. They live their whole life in misery. But those who are in Christ, right, confused, at a loss, in doubt, uncertain, I guarantee you're going to feel that at times. But if you are in Christ, if you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, if you have been saved by grace through faith, if you are now a son or daughter of the living God, those who are in Christ are not in despair. There's hope. You may be at a loss, but you have not lost. That's incredible. There's so much joy that comes with that. We don't feel joy in the moment, right? It's hard. It's difficult. But if we remind ourselves, I'm a stranger and alien to this place. I am in Christ. My identity is not rooted in my struggles. It's rooted in Jesus. Therefore, when I experience this, I know I'm not in despair. I know there is hope. I'm going to trust and lean on Jesus, on his plan for me, and I have not fully lost. I may be at a loss, but I have not lost. Wow, Paul is hammering this. Let's look at this. Persecuted. We knew this word would come up because we already talked about it. We're trying to live godly lives. We're going to expect persecution. In other words, persecuted, we're feeling this. We feel harassed our faith, trying to stand up for what we believe in. Maybe it's at work. You're trying to live a godly life at work, make godly decisions. People might make fun of you for that. Maybe at school, you feel some kind of hatred. And let me tell you this, when, when you are persecuted for your faith, you feel pretty alone. Like loneliness is just this tag that comes with it, and it's hard, and it's difficult but those who are in Christ, who experience this persecution, who experience hatred towards them, undeserved, unjust hatred, and you're feeling lonely, those who are in Christ are not abandoned. They're not forsaken. You're not alone. Because you're not doing life alone. 
You have Christ walking with you. You have the power of the Spirit within you. You face some hard things. You face some unjust things. But you can rest in the grace of God. You can rest in his truthfulness that I'm not abandoned. He has not forsaken me. I am not alone, even though I may feel it at this time. This truth can remind me that since I am a stranger to this world, I'm a permanent resident of the kingdom to come, and my God, who is dwelling there, is also with me and has not forsaken me. Therefore, I can find joy when I face persecution. I can find hope when I face hatred towards me. Our culture will show resistance if you try to be countercultural. And then finally, struck down. In other words, we're saying thrown down, beaten up, exhausted. Now, go ahead and tag with all three of these things, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You are exhausted. You are going through something that's super difficult. You're experiencing things where physically you're just, you're spent, right? Mentally, emotionally, you've got no more emotions you can give. A lot, of it, a lot of this has to do with relationships, right? And you're just, you're exhausted. You don't know how you can continue on. You've probably faced this a lot. But those who are in Christ, those who are struck down, those who are in Christ, they're not destroyed. You're not ruined and you have not perished. You may experience some difficult difficulties with the physical, emotional, and spiritual, all three in one. But you are not defeated. You are not ruined. You have not perished because you are in Christ. And the power of Christ and his grace is perfecting you even when you're spent and beaten up. It's providing you that power to sustain you when you feel like you can't sustain any longer. This is how you get off the struggle bus. Remembering the truths that God has laid out for us. You're not forsaken. You're not alone. I am with you and I'm helping you as you go through this. You deal with your struggles. You're not defined by them. If you allow yourself to be defined by them, you're going to live a miserable, lonely life. But if you choose to deal with your struggles, not remain in them, but deal with your struggles, you're going to start realizing that Christ is with me and working in this and through this. God is in the midst of your struggles, working in perfection. And we probably heard this phrase before, God only helps those who help themselves. For some reason, we have tied that with Christianity, or a lot of people have tied that with Christianity. Some people even think that's scripture, right? It kind of sounds like a proverb, sure, yeah. Let me tell you this. This is so far from the truth of who our God is. If, if we are sitting here and saying, man, if I want God to move in my life, then I've got to get myself together, and I've got to get to this point where I'm moving forward. I'm helping myself. And then the Father's going to step in and start moving and working with me and revealing himself. Look, more likely what this phrase needs to say, if we're accurately describing who our God is, is God only helps those who can't help themselves. 
That's why it's called grace, right? We can't do anything on our own. We don't have the capability, the functionality, the power on our own to be Christ-like in any shape or form. We're going to struggle and struggle and struggle, but God already sees these, these people, his creation, and they're helpless. And what he does is he steps down out of heaven, out of love for his creation, out of love for the, his, his people, And he helped us from the very get-go because we were helpless. We're defeated in our struggles, and he comes down, and he makes a way for us. Sacrifices Jesus on the cross. He's raised again, raised to new life. And And that same power is the power that changes us from old to new. We are a new creation in Christ because we are helpless. God stepped in and made a way. So when it comes to our struggles, we can't just expect to just sit there. I don't want you to get confused. Don't sit on the bus and say, well, I can't help myself. God, come on, step up. Waiting for you. Give me a sign here. Speak to me. Hey-ho, I would like that, right? There's part of us that's, that he's already equipped us and given us of this truth, right? We just went through it. When we face our struggles, when we're over and over facing these same struggles, we're not alone, we're not forsaken. He's already equipped us and given us the ability to grow beyond them. He's already helping us from the get-go. So step off. Step off the bus and realize, hey, I'm following Jesus now. I may struggle again, but I will not be destroyed by it because I am in Christ. My identity is rooted in Christ. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who he says I am, not what my struggles say I am. Therefore, you don't have to remain on this bus whatsoever. And and to close, I want to close with this, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. You may say, how do I do this, right? Okay, I can think about the truths that Paul laid out for us. I can say, yes, I'm not destroyed. Yes, I'm not ruined. Yes, I'm not in despair. But how do I do that? Like, how do I move? How do I go? How do I respond and follow Jesus? I think it first starts with this. If then you have been raised with Christ, for those who are in Christ, followers and believers of Jesus, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. In other words, seek your permanent residency the kingdom to come. Seek Jesus who is waiting for you in heaven, right? Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does that look like? When I wake up in the mornings, first thing that needs to come to my mind, that I need to force myself to come to my mind, is I need to set it on Jesus. I need to stop before I walk out of that door and just walk according to a, because I'm, I'm telling you, if my mind's not set on the spirit, I guarantee it's set on the, on the flesh, all right? So before I walk out of that door and I interact with anyone, I need to spend time setting my mind to the things above. I need to remind myself, like Peter reminds us, I am a permanent resident of the kingdom to come. I'm just a stranger here. I'm a foreigner. This is not my home. And then it says, seek, right? Seek the things that are above. So if your mind is set on the spirit, if your mind is set on the things above, 
more than likely, your body's going to follow. My body can't do anything without my mind telling it to do so. I can't even wiggle these fingers without my mind telling it to do so. If your mind is set on the things above, you're going to seek after the things above. You're going to seek to live countercultural, a godly life, a life that leads to righteousness. And since we're doing S's, set, seek, step off, right? That's just like my preacher notes coming out of me. You've got to do S's, I guess. I don't know. Step off the bus. Step off and no longer remain in your struggles, but grow within them. Knowing that God is with you. He has not forsaken you. Let's all stand together. This summer... We have such a great opportunity to really serve and invest in our next generation, but really serve and invest in those who constantly serve and invest in our next generation. I have two kids, two boys that are over in Kidsmen. I am so thankful for the people every single week that pour into them, that love them that teach them about Jesus. They've got energy that I don't, all right? I love them to pieces because they're investing in my boys, even at a young age. Every week, let me tell you, my boys are difficult at times, all right? I know how they can act over there. So thank you, Jesus, for those people investing in them. The summer is a time where they can just step back, where we can just say thank you. Thank you for investing in my sons. If you have kids, it's a great opportunity to say thank you. Let me just step in and serve the next generation, but also serve the people who are constantly serving the next generation. And if you do this, you get bonus prizes, all right? Everyone is entered. Before June 3rd, we got giveaways. I mean, Family Fun Day at Water Rampage, come on, let's go. Invest in the next generation. Invest in the people who are constantly investing in the next generation. Just choose one day, get on our app. I chose June 17th. I'll have to talk about it with my boss because I obviously won't be leading worship, but we'll figure it out, all right? But June 17th, I'm going over there. You can choose a certain age if you want. If you're like, man, I can't do babies, but I could do three-year-olds. I don't know. Probably be the other way around, right? I can't do three-year-olds. I'll do babies. I'll rock them. You can choose whatever age you want to serve in. It's such a great opportunity for us to say thank you, but also really invest in our next generation. So I encourage you to do it. Do it with me. Sign up for June 17th. See you in the kids' men. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace. God, we got so many struggles. We got so many things we're dealing with, and it's overwhelming at times. So Lord, thank you for your grace that is sustaining us through this, that is sufficient to cover my sins and my struggles on the cross. God, I don't want to remain in them. I want to grow past them. I want to be refined and molded by them. I need help to do that because I am helpless. So Lord, lead me, move me in your spirit to be more and more like your son Jesus and remind me of these truths that I'm not alone, that I'm not forsaken, I'm not abandoned. Anything I experience or go through on this earth, I can find joy, I can find hope, because of your truth, because I am in you, because you have chosen me, not forsaken me. 
Remind, remind us that we are permanent residents of the kingdom to come and not of this earth. Thank you for Jesus. The sacrifice he made for us on our behalf. Thank you for your grace. We love you. Help us with this. In Christ's name I pray, amen.